Welcome back to our podcast. Today we're going to conclude our series on navigating seasons of transition and change. And I'm going to play a conversation that I recently had with Andrew Arndt. Andrew is one of the, the pastors here at New Life. He does a lot of teaching uh, at our Friday night service and uh, at our Sunday morning services at New Life North. And uh, he, he tells the story of a recent transition that he had a couple of years ago, transitioning from Bloom Church up in Denver to New Life Church here in Colorado Springs. And there's a lot that, uh, that I believe you can glean from his experience that will directly apply to any future transitions that, uh, that you'll face in your life. For example, he talks about the importance of allowing God to curate the path for you and, and resisting the urge uh, to run ahead of God and, and try to manipulate factors during transition. Uh, he talks about the importance of, of uh, paying attention to what God is doing in you through seasons of transition. And uh, he talks about unity with your spouse and what do you do during seasons of transition when you and your, your wife may not see eye to eye on what the next steps are. So it's really good. I think you'll enjoy. Here's a conversation with Pastor Andrew Arnold. Andrew Arnold joining us on the podcast. Thanks for being with us, Andrew. Pleasure, man. I know a lot of guys who listen to this podcast know you. They're familiar with you. They're familiar with your teaching. Mm -hmm. But for those who don't, how, how do you describe Andrew Arndt? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, how do I describe Andrew Arndt? Andrew Arndt, I, I've told uh, some of our pastors on staff here, I always feel like a bit of an odd duck here. Maybe that's just more me inwardly than anything else. I'm a, you know, I'm a kid. I grew up in a non-denominational charismatic church, very similar to New Life. I've had an interesting kind of theological Journey went off to seminary in Chicago after finishing up at Oral Roberts University and studied with some folks in the Reformed tradition. And so got to know that pretty well. But that was really an introduction to appreciating the great wide stream of historical Christian orthodoxy. So I've been fascinated over the years by Eastern Orthodox and Catholics and Protestants of various stripes and all of that. So I'm kind of eclectic theologically, always trying to draw from the great tradition as much as I can. And then, uh, you know, we, I, one of the most significant things I think my wife Mandy and I ever experienced was uh, we had the great joy of pastoring a church in Denver from 2009 to 2017, which was a real clear, for us, it was a real clear call from the Lord to um, help some friends get a church off the ground in downtown Denver with a bunch of folks who were either pre-Christian or on the verge of becoming post-Christian. They were about to be really burned out of the faith and were willing to give it one last shot. Very artistic, um, hippie, organic, interesting community. And the Lord called us into it. We pastored that group from 2009 till 2017 and learned a lot and grew a lot, kind of discovered our own sort of hippie and artistic side a little bit, although that's not really the hugest part of who we are. Sometimes sometimes a group of people or a situation draws things out yeah. of you. Yeah that uh, that you didn't know were there. So kind of an eclectic theologian, an eclectic thinker, and uh, but happy to be at New Life. It's a great place. We're loving being here. Well, you've been such a gift to our staff and to our church. And what I want to talk about today on the podcast is just that transition. God led you to bloom for a season. Yeah. And you did great work, great ministry, amazing things were happening when mm -hmm. you were there. But then it became clear that he was transitioning you, that things Things were, were changing. And so, first of all, how did you first begin to sense that God is up to something regarding transition? Yeah, 
<laughs> well, that church we planted with our friends, um, you know, it was one of those things where um, I think I had read enough Eugene Peterson over the years that it was a value for me that um, I really wanted to go somewhere and just rip off a lifetime's worth of ministry, you know, find a place to die. And so when we moved to Denver in 2009, uh, for me, in my mind and in my heart, that was the last stop. So, and I remember actually saying that to the community often, that I had committed to the Lord, that I was going to give 30 years, and um, that's what I was planning on and all of that. And I really, in my mind, I could think of nothing better, you know, like find a group of people that you want to be with in a city that you'd like to live in and do fruitful ministry there over a lifetime and become an old man and ride off into the sunset. It was awesome. So we got several years into the church plant, and the first couple were a little bit slow, and then all of a sudden, we really started to find our stride. In 2011, 2012, the church started growing, um, and we were in a really sweet place in ministry. Um, we were um, a unique enough model, um, so we kind of did house churches. We were always trying to blend ancient and future, so we were sort of this liturgical charismatic, justice-oriented, organic, house-churchy, neo-monastic thing, you know, that, that's how I always explained it. Who's doing stuff like that? You know, not very many. And so by 12 and 13, um, we, we really started to have a lot of pastors and church leaders from around the country looking to us for leadership and inspiration. And, you know, we're thinking along these lines, can you help us? So it was a sweet zone to be in. And in many ways, it was very confirming, like, okay, you know, Lord, you've called us into this. I think that you've called us into this for 30 years. We're starting to become fruitful. I'm finding my footing here. I'm figuring out how to preach. Like, this is really wonderful and fun and great. And in 2014, we went through a, a leadership transition that was pretty tough on everybody involved, ourselves included. And, um, and that set us on a process the next year and a half or so of really revisiting the church's foundations and rebuilding some of the culture, just kind of making things cleaner and clearer. And um, early 2016 rolled around and we had been through kind of that reconstruction period and the church was in a healthier place than it had ever been and it was more fruitful than it had ever been. And I remember finally coming to grips with like, we at that point I was seven years deep into this church plant. We'd been through this you know, tough season and done some reinvention. And I was just tired, like really tired in early 16. And so I started talking to my executive pastor about the possibility of taking a, a little sabbatical, a break. And he liked that. And we started talking with our leadership team about that. And the pieces really started falling into place on going on a sabbatical. And it was right before we went into the sabbatical, um, probably three or four weeks before. I remember sitting in my sitting in my basement in my prayer chair. I had at the time, I think we've got it in the basement now. I don't go down there so much in our new house here in Colorado Springs. But at the time, I had this little Ikea Poang chair, $60 <laughs> chair. has a little rock in it. That was my prayer chair. So I went down there one morning and uh, coffee in hand, gearing up for the sabbatical. And I remember... Uh, I remember in prayer sensing the Holy Spirit say, uh, go ahead and put it on the table. Hmm. And I went, and this is what I said. I said, put what on the, what table? On the yeah, table? Put what on the table? Your coffee? Yeah, but, well, yeah, exactly. And in that way that you have these, sometimes you just have these conversations with the Lord that go like this. I sense the Holy Spirit bump back to me instantly. You know what? Yeah. I said, no, I don't. He goes, yes, you do. I go, no, I don't. He goes, yes, you do. You know what I'm asking. <laughs> I said, my pastorate here? 
are you wanting to have a conversation about my pastorate? And at the time, I never really entertained the thought of seriously of leaving uh, or of ending my pastorate there. I just assumed that that 30-year thing was sacrosanct. We don't really talk about that. But I just sensed that the Lord wanted to have a conversation about that. So now I, you know, I'm, I'm an actor. I go when I have clarity on something. So at that point, I remember saying to the Lord, I go, okay, well, are you wanting me to make an announcement? Am I leaving the church? What am I doing? And I just sensed the Lord go, no, stop. I just want to have a conversation with you about it. And you're not going to know ahead of time where it's going to land, but I want you to at least be open to me exploring this with you. And that I think was the Lord trying to create some distance between me and the assumption that this role was a necessary part of who I was, yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. So we went into the sabbatical. And uh, the sabbatical started early July, and the church was gracious, gave us three months off. And, um, you know, it was about halfway through the sabbatical, through a lot of conversation in prayer and a lot of conversation between Mandy and I and some trusted people that we pulled around us, that it really became very clear to us that, uh, yeah, I think that the Lord is calling us to lay down our time here to end our, end our pastorate here. So I was kind of hot and bothered to make a decision, but we just sensed that the Lord was saying, just, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. So we gathered around, we went into the sabbatical, having gathered around kind of a constellation of counselors around us um, that we would check in with and be processing with during the sabbatical. And as the 12 weeks went on, it became very clear that the Lord was leading us on from our time at that church. What was really interesting was, again, you know, this is me just wanting to act, mm -hmm. do something about it. Yeah. I remember, golly, the sabbatical was 12 weeks long. It was probably week eight, week nine. We were just so clear on it in our souls. And I remember talking to some of the folks, some of the counselors that we had going, surely I need to like make, so I need to make a phone call, right? I need to call one of our, the leaders of our leadership team, or I need to call my executive pastor or something needs to happen, right? And to a person, everyone around us said, no, you don't need to do anything. What do you mean you don't need to do anything? Of course you need to do something. We're clear on this. God's spoken. It's time for us to act. No, don't do anything. What you need to do is just re-engage, you know, let the, ride the sabbatical out, enjoy these last few weeks, and then re-engage with your leadership team. And maybe you don't even need to say anything right away. Like, let the Lord kind of confirm things around yeah. you as you go back to work. So we went back to work early October, mid-October of that year. And the funny thing, Gabe, was that the church that, and this was, again, like letting the Lord, we had this inward kind of confirmation. What we were waiting for really was exterior mm -hmm. confirmation. It was the Lord actually doing this around us? And so when we went back to the church in mid-October, we were, not only was the church not suffering without us, in some ways, it was, it was like, thriving. it was thriving. <laughs> Our leadership team had made two significant hires that we really needed. Giving was up. Attendance was great. Services were going great. They were happy to have us back. But it's, it was clear that they were not suffering without us. They were doing really well. And so we go back to work and we could just feel it in the air. And I think that they could feel it in the air too, that there was something that was up. And we weren't saying anything. We were being mum about what was going on in our hearts. And I think they were being mum about what they were sensing from us. But we were all just kind of like in this observant space, just sort of watching. I think we kind of knew that things were different. So... It was about that time. I got a few months deep on that. So we're probably November, maybe December of 2016. And I was getting so itchy. Like, what are we doing? I can't, we're hold. how can we hold this space like this any longer? And a wise old man in the faith said to me, um, he could tell I was pretty angsty about it. 
And he said, Andrew, you're just all jumbled up in your initiative and all. Just stop. You need to let the Lord curate the path for you. Is what oh, he said. wow. That's yeah. good. Tremendous line. Like, if God's doing this, let him drop the pieces in place and he will do it. And when he drops the pieces in place, then you just be obedient and responsive and tell the truth about what's going on inside of your heart. So it wasn't too long after that, a few weeks later, maybe, I got an email from Pastor Brady here at the church, uh, who I'd known a little bit over the years through Daniel and through Glenn. Um, he said, hey, I'd love to you know, grab a breakfast with you at some point soon. Can we schedule it? So we scheduled a breakfast. We met at the Cracker Barrel. And he said, you know, I hear that there's a little bit of transition happening with you. Um, don't want to put any pressure on that, but... Um, we would love to have you here um, if you're done with your current assignment. So you just do what you need to do, but let us know. There's an offer on the table for you to join our team. And that was really the Lord curating the path. That was kind of the first big piece that dropped into place that gave us inward permission to start talking about what was going on with us. So we went to our leadership team and started having the conversations and invited them and a number of other people to just help us figure out what's the best way to do this. And so we spent the next five months from there wrapping up our ministry in Denver. And in May of 2017, made the, the transition out here and joined the team. And and I, I think the biggest, and it was awkward, man, transition is such an awkward thing because all of your patterns and rhythms and expectation relationships are changing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of knowing your environment is a little bit weird. But I think for us, in retrospect, the biggest confirmation that the Lord was in that process and that that process was done right was that it preserved relationships. Mm. And so that church, we've been back a couple times and we're hosting people from that church here all the time coming over to see us at our Friday night services or mm -hmm. spending the night with us or visiting us on Sundays. So relationship is preserved. Everybody was honored. And I think if you ask me, that's a signature of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That nobody's disrespected. You know, that nobody's dishonored in the process. But actually, this transition wasn't just a transition for the arts. It was a transition that was happening for everybody. And the Lord was, he was careful and eager to preserve everybody through the transition. So Yeah, I think that's so interesting because in the same way that he had already lined something up, he went ahead of you to yep. line up your future. He, he had done the same thing at Bloom Church. Yep. And in the same way that God wants the best for you yep. moving forward, he wants the same thing. For the church as well. He covers yeah. the whole the whole basis there when it comes to yeah. transition. You, he does. You, you said so much that was really healthy when it comes to transition. But one of the things that stood out to me listening to you, Andrew, when you were talking about uh, how God was asking you to be patient. Mm. So you were wanting to charge out of the gate and let's go, let's do this, let's not... Let's not sit around. Mm. And God was just slowing you down. Why do you think, why do you think God was slowing you down? Why do you think... He was wanting you to be patient with this process. Well, I think that, uh, I think because he had, um, he had a timeline that he was trying to bring to fruition. And people have often made the distinction in the New Testament between the, the two Greek words for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is just chronological time as it happens. But then there's kairos, which is sort of, it's God's way of handling time in the fullness of time, you know, at the appointed time. And I think that God builds Kairos into Kronos. And I think that he wants us to be patient with him, to let him unfold things. You see that in the ministry of Jesus. You know, um, I was just reading with my kids the other the other night, uh, John chapter 2. Why do you involve me? My time has not yet come, he says to his mom. So he has a sense of divine timing. And I think that, I think that part of spiritual formation growth 
majority is learning to be responsive to divine timing. So I, I think that's what it was all about. Mm -hmm. I think it was, um, for me to rush out ahead would have been a self-preserving kind of thing. Yeah. It's me trying to, I want to do this because I, and, but there are other people involved. If it happens that fast, yeah, maybe you get to the decision, but it disrespects all of these other people. It might have left our church back in Denver. It might have left Bloom in the lurch. It might have left a bunch of other people in the lurch. I just think it would have, things would have gotten off kilter. Um, there's something about the way that God does things that's elegant. It just is. God is not, he doesn't waste things. He's not, he doesn't, you know, it's not helter-skelter. Mm -hmm. He's elegant. He's graceful how he pulls things off. So I think it was an invitation. And uh, honestly, part of it for me was I needed to grow in my own journey. So I had been so used to up to that point being on the edge all the time. What are you saying? What are you doing? Oh, Lord, that's what you're saying. All right, we're going to do it now. Uh, learning how to be responsive, learning how to lead one step behind, you know, where what God is doing, where God is going. Um, I needed to learn that. And a lot of what happened through that transitional process um, changed the landscape of my spirituality, where I'm different now because of it. And the way that I respond to the Lord, my sonship, I think, has grown hmm. because of it. I just have more confidence that God is in with and under all of the circumstances of my life to bring me to exactly where he needs me to go without my straining and striving. Jesus says that the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And I don't think I really knew that up to that point. I think I believed it, but I didn't, it wasn't like in the body. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know it the way that I needed to know it. So that's, I think that's really excellent what you're saying that, uh, and I think that's common for us as men in seasons of transition. We're really aware of the external factors. Yeah. What doors do I need to knock on? Yep. What doors might be, opening what what's god uh what's he doing in my future but we're not as aware of what he's doing in us yeah and how important is that work yeah that, uh, that not only are we aware of opportunities and where god is leading us but there are certain things in these seasons of transition that he's most likely trying to get at in our own heart and soul yeah i agree with that i agree with that i mean that's part of i think it's not just what's happening around us. I think that men in particular can get really caught up in uh, the will of God as only what's happening out there. So how is God leading me? And, da, da, da. and so everything is external. But um, the, the, the transitional moments, they're as much about what's happening inside of us as they are about what's happening outside of us. And God is always growing us. He's always using the circumstances of our lives to shape us. And uh, boy, you really experience it in transitional moments. Yeah. Because it challenges your beliefs and it challenges your faith and it challenges your, it exposes your idols. And yes, you have, there's all of this stuff happening. So I think for men, I think for anybody, but especially for men, it's important not just to be paying attention to what's happening outside of you, but also to be paying attention to what's happening inside of you. How is this changing me? How is this growing me? I, I've always been a journaler. I journaled a great deal during that season because I didn't want to miss anything. I didn't want to miss what God was doing in me. I wanted to try to capture it. And, you know, we're now two years removed from the move and, you know, about three years removed from the beginning of that process. And the Lord drops stuff in us that has become like a burning bush for us. You know, like it just, it burns, but it's not consumed. And I go back to it and I go, oh yeah, there was that thing and that thing that the Lord said to me in that moment that I had. And so pay attention to what's happening inside of you for sure. Yeah. How did you, how did you navigate your emotional life? You know, talking more about what's happening inside of you because there's a lot to transition. Yeah. There's, there's grieving what's lost. You thought for 
the rest of your life you're going to be with bloom and so yeah there's that grieving process of letting go then, yeah uh you know for a lot of guys in transition and for me in, in seasons in transition uh, there's fear there and wrestling through fear of uncertainty and so what was it like for you to to just pay attention to your emotional life as you transition what what did you notice well i'm set i'm wired to pay attention to my emotional life anyway but there was so much emotion there i knew that i needed a few people that i could really process with so i tried to just be as honest as i possibly could be with the people that were closest to me and also the people that for, for lack of a better term they were stakeholders in what was happening with me so that really was my leadership team, the elders of our church, the, um, the congregational leadership team. So I tried to be as honest as I could about my emotions and they were messy. I mean, and there were lots of emotions that were like really unexpected. Like I'll give you one that was very unexpected. The, the, after we had made the decision, you know, the Lord had confirmed it in exterior circumstance. We've had the conversation with the leadership team and now it's out there. Like it's real that uh, we're going to be wrapping up our time here and heading to heading to New Life Church, you know. Well, we needed to make the, com the, the announcement to the congregation and begin to have that conversation. And I'd always kind of visualize what that would look like. You know, what does it look like when you finally stand up, whenever that is, whether that's 30 years or seven years or 15 or whatever, when you stand up in front of this church that you've loved and carried and you tell them that it's time for you to depart, um, you got to go, what's that going to be like? And I just, re I remember that Sunday telling them, and being really surprised that this is going to sound stupid, but <laughs> I really thought it would be more emotional than yeah, it was yeah. for them. And for me, I thought there'd be a lot of crying and tears and, you know, well, no. And but they knew. I think they sensed it. So in a lot of ways, it wasn't super surprising. Some people were pretty sad, but I think for most of them, they kind of saw it coming, too, which was just this is my own ego talking it was like disappointing for me yeah. wait i thought you'd be yeah. more sad that i'm going i'm sad that not, you're not that sad or i don't know you know what's but i needed people that i could process that with yeah so it was my wife and it was my executive pastor who was one of my best friends and the leadership team constantly processing what's going on inside of me just so that nothing is off kilter you know and uh and that was helpful all the way through i mean i remember the week before um a week before we left, I was all upside down emotionally. And, you know, finally my, my friend who's the executive pastor, David is his name. David was like, what is the matter with you? And I just, man, lost it. Started weeping. I, go, I don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know the Lord's leading us out, but I don't, I love this place. I love these people. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go. So to have others that can hold that emotion. And he was so great. He was like, look, um, I get that. But God's doing this, right? Yeah. Well, if God's doing it, then you're going to be okay. And that's okay for you to feel that way. You should feel that way. That shows that you're connected to these people. Just keep trusting God in it. So you need people around you who can help you with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you about uh, marriage and transition. Because yeah. it wasn't just you walking through this process. It was yeah. you and your wife, Mandy, together. So what was that like? Trying yeah. to navigate the uncertainty and... and fight for unity in your yeah. marriage yeah well one of the unexpected gifts of walking through that transition was the way in which it threw us into unity with each other and i've often told people that one of the interesting things about our doing the church in denver was that in a lot of ways um it was a more of a childhood dream for me so our friends that planted the church um was a husband and wife pair and the husband i grew up with and this was had always been kind of a dream of ours 
And so even though formally speaking in 2009, when we moved to Denver, we came in with Unity, uh, Mandy played more of a supportive role in that. So it was more like, I see that this is a childhood dream of yours and go get a tiger, mm -hmm. you know? So to that extent, we were always in a weird way in, we were always a little off kilter with each other. I was more invested in that piece of our life, maybe in some ways than, than she was just because of the story and, you know, all that stuff. The transition, just the nature of the case was that it threw us into really intimate conversations with each other about where are we at and what do we want? What do we want for our kids and what's the Lord doing in us? And it put us into a place where we had to move forward together or we weren't going to move forward at all. And it was just, like I said, it's one of the unexpected gifts of that transition that it brought us to a place of, of greater unity, I think, than we had experienced mm -hmm. to that point which we've carried to this day. And one of the commitments that we made on the other side of that transition was any future ministry that we step into will not be ministry that we just were playing a supportive role one for the other, either her or me. We're not just going, yeah, go get it. But it's, we both take full ownership of the decision together. And the importance of that cannot be overstated because then when you have that full unity and things get wonky around you, you have each other to fall back on. And it's not, I'm not falling back on my wife and her, you know, it's not her going, well, you know, tough luck, guy. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not, I and told she you never, this was a bad idea. And she never did it. Mandy, <laughs> Mandy absolutely never did that. But it, we're just in a better place now. So I think you have to fight for unity in it. And when you do, that unity will continue to reward you as you go forward. How would you coach a guy who's in a season of transition and, and he and his wife are having a hard time agreeing yeah. on the next steps? What would you say to that man? Well, that being, you know, that you're having that difficulty shows that either the decision is not ready to be made at that moment or that there's something in your marriage that needs to grow. So you need to continue to just stay in the trenches, mm -hmm. figuring it out until you mm -hmm. come to a place of unity. Mm -hmm. And the mind of Christ is not divided. So he's not just going to speak to you and not speak to your wife, too. He's going to speak to both of you and get you on the same page in the fullness of time. So. You need to keep, you just need to keep working it out, I guess, on that front. That's that's what I would say. And the last thing that you want to do is step into a new moment in your life and not be on the same page with each other. It's just the whole thing is inherently unstable. Mm -hmm. So stay in that, stay in that spot. And it might be what the Lord is doing is he's challenging your egocentrism. You need your wife to be in disagreement with you because you think that you're John Wayne, you think that you're Superman, you think that you're Moses, <laughs> that God just speaks to you and you just go do things. That's not how it works. Yeah. You know, God speaks to all of us. He confirms his will in a multitude of witnesses. So you need to, you need to, to just stay in that. And that's hard space to be in, man, that conflictual space. And I think God's spoken to me and uh, you're not seeing it, but that man, if you just, if you hold that space, it'll lead you to a place, not just of unity. Unity can sometimes sound like a cold term, but intimacy, yeah. agreement, communion of heart, where you've gotten to somewhere together. And and then there's improvement in your marriage on every front. You're parenting better together. You're managing finances better. Your your romantic life is deeper and richer because you've, you've gotten there together. Mm -hmm. Communion of spirit. Yeah, well thing. said. Yeah. Very well said. Uh, there's so many things you, you did really well as you walked out your transition. But as you reflect back on the process, is there something that you see now that you didn't see at the time that you would do differently in the future, maybe for future transitions? Hmm. I don't know. I think it, I think it's uh, transition is awkward. 
it's messy, even under the best of circumstances. And I, I think if I had a piece of coaching that I would have given myself on the front end is honor everybody involved, but be prepared for this to be awkward. It's just going to be awkward because relationships are changing. So we're all entering into new territory with each other and we don't really know what does this territory look like? What are the new rules for this territory? What do things mean? And I, I remember uh, making the announcement to our staff that, um, that we were leaving and one of the gals on our, on our staff, she started crying. And I go, I go, I'm sorry that this is hitting you the way that it's hitting you. You know, what is that about for you? And she said, she said, I just feel like, I just feel like you love new life more than you love us. I go, no, that's not what this is about. It's not about who we love more. It's God is doing this. But that's, a, that's it. It's awkward. Relationships are changing. So just be prepared for that. Be prepared for the awkwardness of it. And the more people, you know, the scripture says that in abundance of counselors, there's victory. So if you're pulling people close to you and you've got an abundance of counselors, both inside the transition and outside the transition who are speaking into it, you just are not going to miss the yeah. will of God. And as awkward as I felt throughout the whole thing, we had so many coaches and people who were saying to us, look, I know this is hard, but I haven't seen very many churches do this as well as you guys are doing it. Keep it up, see it through. And you're going to land where you need to land. Mm -hmm. So just be prepared. Transition is awkward. Yeah. But God's in it if you do it right, especially. Well, there's no formulas. Not a one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. Every transition needs to follow this formula. But a couple things that, that uh, were true about your your transition that I think should be true about every transition uh, to do it well. And yeah. like you said, invite trusted people yeah. to walk with you. Yep. Listen. Be open to their counsel. Yep. Uh, the second thing, be patient with the process. Yes. God oftentimes is not in a rush. Yeah. And as you were talking about your instinct to, to kind of preserve yourself and you yeah. wanted to rush out of the gates, I think that's so good what you said, Andrew, mm -hmm. that God was slowing you down, mm -hmm. wanting to do that deep work inside of you. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's constant uh, with other men in transition. There are things that God wants to get at in all of us during uh, transition. And so, again, while there's not a formula, those are some important things mm -hmm. that, that are key ingredients for any season mm -hmm. of transition. Agreed. So uh, you're a gift to us. You're a gift to me. I appreciate your friendship. And uh, thanks for sharing some of your story with us today. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for listening to today's podcast. And if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, make sure you do that. You don't want to miss any episodes we have coming up over the next several weeks. And I also want to invite you to attend the Kingdom Man series, which is starting in August. This is going to be a three-week series where we focus on what does it look like to live well in the kingdom of God. It's going to be a great opportunity to meet some other guys. And so you can find out more information about the Kingdom Man series at newlifechurch.org slash men.